Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome in to another episode of Farm to Fame. I am Kelsey Lynch. Thank what? Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that. Oh my! We got to wait. Let me introduce y'all. We got Peta on the line with us today. I got my whole family calling you Peta. We right. got Mad Day, and today, today, folks. We got Wiley joining the podcast. He does stuff for the Atlanta Braves radio for the television crew this week. He does stuff for Georgia Tech. He's a big college baseball guy. So is Maddie Mass. Peter and I are still um, learning, waiting our way. Learning. Still There's just so way. much going on. There's just so much happening last two weeks. It's hard yeah. to keep up. That's why we got you guys. And guess what, folks? It's Monday right now. This episode's coming out on Wednesday. Six of the eight teams going to Omaha, the College World Series, the greatest show on earth. Six out of eight teams are set. Wiley, have you been to Omaha? I have not, but I'm going for the first time uh, this year. So I am fired up and ready to rock. And I'm excited. I got some time off from uh, Braves to go up there. So uh, thanks, for Peter, for covering me. You're, you are well, going love Omaha. I mean, yeah. I wish it was still in Rosenblatt. I'll be. Fair. The Ameritrade. Meh. But <laughs> you're going to see a lot of LSU fans up there and I love that for you. Yeah, I thought we might be seeing LSU up there for, for a hot second. They oh, don't get that. Do not. So. No. Uh, no, we're we staying go. away from that. Oh, man. <laughs> kind of flirted between 18 and 25 the whole season. Mm-hmm. Really thought we'd come out of that Southern Miss regional was really, I mean, I know Southern Miss has always had like a, a respected program over there, but LSU was borderline. I was kind of surprised we weren't a regional host. I knew we wouldn't be, oh, yeah. obviously, but. Wiley, can you just give us a breakdown? First of all, your Twitter handle is at Wiley Ballard. What's your Twitter handle? At Wiley underscore Ballard. Currently working on Twitter, trying to seize the Wiley no underscore Ballard. It's a work in mm. progress. I'll keep it posted, but it's 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 uh, first first world problems, I guess. Is it a song singer songwriter that has that first one, or is it just someone that happens to have your name at the same time? Someone who happens to have my name at the same time. Holy shit, that's a strange. That's a different. Okay, it is. It is. Uh, he's an older gentleman, judging by the uh, the Twitter profile picture. I don't think he's logged on maybe in eight or nine years. So uh, <laughs> if he's watching, feel free to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Wiley a common name in America? So I think it's most Wileys I've met. It's been like a nickname, like short for William or like, you know, Will or Wilson or something like that. I'm actually am like Wiley uh, okay. family name. So that that's what's on my license. I am Wiley. So I really like to point that out and 
uh, let people know whose nickname or William or Bill or whatever, they, they should go by that instead and, and leave yes. Wiley to me. Leave the yeah. one Wiley to one, one Wiley. I like your name because you see it on paper and there's no questions, right? There's no questions. <laughs> it's Wiley Ballard. You look at my name, people get a little confused. Mm. Is it Kelsey? Is it Kelsey? Is it Slelsny? I was called a lot of mean things in middle school with my last name of Wingert, but now I have graduated from the end of the alphabet to the middle of the alphabet. Um, I got to see Maddie. Maddie came to the wedding. He has a leg lamp behind him. Um, we tore it up on the dance floor. Jake stole the show. Jake was, no, that's Jake was pitching on the dance floor because this was our seating chart. Everybody had we had a wall of baseballs and everybody's last name was on it. And your table number was up here. That's so amazing. Jake was just out there with his baseball. Um, he ran into Chipper Jones on the dance floor. He pushed Jess into Chipper Jones on the dance floor, apparently. That's how you get it done. That's uh, how Chipper likes to get usually introduced to people. Yeah. I'm just glad I got to see Maddie. Yeah. Maddie. Look at Maddie. And I got to meet Emily. And it was just her birthday, our queen. That's true. I loved her. We went to the world of Coke. Did you try all of the ones that are in those? Little I tried a lot of, of those ones. How'd you go afterwards? A little bit of a bubbly guts. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, I didn't eat lunch. Basically. I felt like full. Did you do the South African one? Uh, I don't remember specifically the China one that's, after that's drinking funny. that I was, it was just right. like nothing else happened. Yeah. I forget the rest. <laughs> <laughs> what is it what is, what is what is what was it what i, I don't think i i don't remember tasting the chinese one and, and i don't understand what is it just not taste like is it not sugary or something it just has like a harsh flavor like i don't know if sour is the right bit? word but like licorice yeah i i i brought this up to paxton as well when i was back in the office and she was like oh yeah that one I tried that when I was eight years old. <laughs> I still remember. still remembers it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. me too. I love that. Right. Uh, before we get started, Maddie, can we just get a close up of the lamp? Thank you. Wow. Okay. Now, is that is there a second one? Like, is there like it's a pair of leg <laughs> lamps or just one leg? Just one leg. Uh, it's from the movie Pete. What is it? uh christmas, christmas story. story yeah, yeah. not a christmas uh, location yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two yeah. different christmas stories different very different. different movies um wiley can you just i kind of like skimmed over all of your involvements um i know you're you're filling in helping with the with yeah. the broadcast crew for the braves you do some stuff with braves radio you do a lot with georgia tech um can you just give us a better synopsis of yes <laughs> yes no that was that was pretty well done on your part to be able to piece all that together uh it is uh, a mix of a ton of different things as you touched on i'll fill in occasionally on braves pre and post game radio i uh, work in the tv truck and uh, on the valley telecast as well uh, other on-air uh, opportunities i'm the, the voice of georgia tech baseball um, there you are Ooh. <laughs> so got to see tennessee up and close or up close and personal a couple weeks ago and then um also do uh, a little bit of Auburn, you know, television on their end with uh, their baseball, soccer, a little volleyball, sort of a hodgepodge of things down there on the plains. So uh, is that SEC uh, Network or 
yes, yes. Okay. SEC Network Plus, essentially. Yeah. Um, so get get to see an old teammate of uh, Peter Moylan's, Tim Hudson, down there, pitching coach Aww. Robert, uh, in, a, in a super regional for the uh, third time in the last five years for the Tigers. And um, also do, again, a handful of ACC sports with, with Bally, doing some baseball, some soccer, a uh, little bit of volleyball, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, what's I your favorite sport? That's my favorite sport? Yeah. Oh, baseball. Okay, period. good, good, good. Yeah, that's no, what I absolutely. figured. College baseball. Uh, right. That's the only answer yeah. you could have said on the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> that's what yeah, yeah. Actually, I love cricket. Well, love volleyball, yeah. big volleyball guy. <laughs> I have one connection to Georgia Tech, okay. and that's Logan McGuire, who I Lolo. Yes. yes. So Casey <laughs> is the pitching coach at Alatoona High School where Logan went. No kid. Um, yes, of course. And Logan still would come to, I mean, he would drive back to Ackworth for every single game that, that Georgia Tech was off. It was so sweet. But his brother, Tyler, is still on the team. Um, okay. But let's get into the opener because there's a lot of Big storylines. If you've been like, literally, if you're not following our farm to fame on Twitter, Maddie does such a good job. Uh, like, He's the greatest Twitter guy in the world, by the way. I mean, I had somebody at MLB network stop me in the dugout at one of our games. And she was like, Hey, I do. I help with minor league coverage for MLB network. And I only follow farm to fame. She was like, that is where I get all of my information. And I was like, Maddie mass is incredible. Um, you know, what else is incredible? DraftKings. Um, and it is time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just five doll hairs on any game and get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. So if you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday this baseball season, you can do that with DraftKings single game parlays. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total runs, extra innings and more and boom. I love the bold in the ad read. Um, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Um, right now, if your single game parlay doesn't hit, you can get a free bet back up to $10. DraftKings is just like Peter Moylan, safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Maddie, is there a parlay specifically that interests you? If it's not Villanova basketball season, don't ask me about parlay. That's what I'm talking about, Maddie. Okay, well, Stay true to yourself. specifically told us to talk about parlay. a specific parlay. It says, please talk of a parlay that right. interests you. I'll give you a parlay that interests me. I don't even know what a parlay is. I don't know either. Aaron, that... Okay, well, that's just concerning somewhat. Here, but Maddie. I know what a parlay is. I know what a parlay Thank is. You. Well, I'll you go, uh, Aaron <laughs> no, Judge, that whatever the next game the Yankees play. Judge two home runs, uh, Stanton home run, Rizzo home run, Matt Carpenter two home runs, Trevino home run. Put a dollar on that, walk away with 2500 Or So there you go. Shout out to Matt Carpenter. What's Judgey on pace for? 60-something. 60, 60 they said it yesterday. It's like 125 runs, 122 RBI. Mediocre. What's, what's, he, what's his average? 314 about 300 yeah yeah bet what? on yourself kids three bet on yourself bet on yourself yeah. what yeah 
I love that for him. And I also think that you should download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOMBOY. New customers can make any $5 MLB bet and get $150 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code JOMBOY. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. All right, folks, let's get into the opener because um, Ivan Melendez for Texas. This is a guy, if you listen to our episode with Ashland um, at the start of the baseball season, she talked about Ivan Melendez a ton. He just broke Colorado Rockies, Chris Bryant's college home run record. So he hit his 32nd home run. I believe that was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, Where is he? I mean, is he top 10? Is he, I mean, where is he projected to go? 115. What? Yeah. On MLB.com, he's currently ranked as 115 in the draft board. Now, if that doesn't move up after this season, I mean, I believe they updated it at some point throughout the season, but. Does he not have a position? Does he not? Is yeah, he just... I think that's part of it, Peter. I think that's part of it. And he's, he's a little older. You know, he's, he's a fourth-year guy, and we can sit here and have a conversation whether that should be a big deal or not. But I do think teams kind of draft based on, okay, you know, is he, is he 22, year olds and 22 years old in six months or is he 21 years old in three months and those types of things. So it's only his second year at Texas, but he, he started his career um, at, at, at a JUCO. But uh, Baseball America has got him 86 on, on okay. the draft board. We're climbing. You know, so he's, he's, he's moving up. I mean, especially because in their last update, he was 185. So he moved almost 100 wow. spots. That's good. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely making an impression. Uh, it's at 32 home runs. And, and like you said, Kelsey, I mean, you break Chris Bryant's BB core record with 32 bombs, the, and your nickname's the Hispanic Titanic. I mean, what, what more do you want? So, Wiley, I think where I get confused with college baseball is I'm so used to looking at MLB numbers and knowing – you know, if somebody's hitting 25, 30 home runs, you love that. What's, what's the number of home runs in college baseball where you love that? It's funny because I would have almost given you a different answer prior to this year. This year has been so offensive. I was looking this up a couple of weeks ago and, and, you know, the ACC, obviously I, I keep a close eye on that, given my ties to Georgia tech and then some of Valley's coverage and, you know, that, that league has always been offensive, but this year, the, the selecting percentage across the conference was up 30 points. Wow. And, and the same was the case in the SEC. So the, the whole sport, it, it's kind of what you saw in Major League Baseball, I think, what was it? I don't know, 2019, obviously, but 2017, like it almost feels like Bulls. it's a new offense environment. There's some speculation. Yeah. Oh, I think there's some who, who think that might be part of it. You know, I, I, I you know, probably don't know enough to sit here and say one way or the other, but there are people who would say that, yeah, it's a little different this year. But so Dude, going into that for year, you or... Uh, yeah, let's see. I, 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 this is all I got in my hotel room. I got an orange, by the way. Um, Wait, what'd you this, just this, show? This is my problem. I, I had a little fruit tray brought in. This is, this is pretty much what we got. This is my only prop. Box. That's fine. Yeah, um, I would have said 20 in my mind, 20 home runs in a season is the equivalent of like 50 in the big leagues, you know, wow. for me, you know, it's kind of how I viewed it. But again, I think that's changed this year. I wow. think it's, you almost got to add five. Um, that said, I mean, Melendez hitting 32 is still bonkers. Um, and, and I got, and with all due respect to Oregon State's Cooper Jerpy and, and even Kevin Parada, catcher at Georgia Tech, is going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, I think Melendez is, is probably going to be your Golden Spikes winner, right? It's hard not to see a guy whose team has gotten to the College World Series, 
broken Chris Bryant's record. Speaking of which, do you guys know where Chris Bryant went to college? Yeah, but th- but I feel like I, I have to know that. You do have to know that. That's fair. That's fair. University That's fair. Of Peter San Gatt- Diego. San with, Diego, yeah. With your favorite player ever, Connor Joe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know that. Connor Joe is my favorite player after being in there. But he's... Uh... Anyway, that's another that's story. Literally, every time I tweet about him, it's your favorite player, Connor Joe. Freaking love mm-hmm. Connor Joe. But awesome. they're the Toros, right? I'm making that up. Yeah. Yeah. Toros? That would a great. Yeah. The Bulls. Is, yeah. is Ivan Melendez the best power hitter in college baseball this year? Uh, he's got I mean, the most home runs. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, basically, based on that, yes. Um, you know, I know he and, he and Kevin Parada were kind of going at it head to head on the home run lead. Uh, Kevin did not hit any in the postseason, so he finished with 26. So I, I think, again, if you're going purely off home runs, I and mean, all those guys hit for average too. So I think I think it's got to be Melendez, just just given the numbers he's put up. I don't have a chance to add to him, obviously, in Omaha. Um, I like that he's now tied with Mark McGuire. He hit 32 in 1984. So Ivan Melendez, keep an eye on this guy. Um, yeah, Texas, Texas has – Clinch their spot to Omaha. They're through. No, and, and in the process, ripped the hearts out of about out of four or 5,000 people in Greenville, North Carolina on the, on the way. Uh, East Carolina was up 7-2 in the seventh inning. They've never been to Omaha. Uh, they were six, six outs away, really, up 7-4 to four in the eighth and um, couldn't hold on to it. Dylan Campbell, holy smokes, man, that guy, game-tying home run, walk-off hit in the ninth inning, his next A.B., um, just an absolutely insane. Well, I guess he had the go-ahead home run. Apologies to Skylar Messenger, but uh, Dylan Campbell, a couple of huge swings for Texas, and then you know in that third game, you know they had some real weather issues, and that's that's aggravating. Um, they only played what they like. Maddie was like they got five or six hitters in before before yeah. they suspended the game. Yeah. <laughs> the game started. Melendez hit the thirty-second. Yeah, homer. hit the three and homer. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, and then they stopped it in the top of the first six-hour rain delay and picked it up at ten thirty. So who knows what that did for the environment. It still looked, it, you know, like it was loud, but, you know, how many people go home after five hours? Yeah. So, yeah. So outside but, of, outside of Ivan Melendez, Wiley and Maddie, um, who else, who else do people need to keep their eyes on um, speaking about the draft? Is Tristan Stevens draft eligible? Is that a name? Um, he is. He's 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 a fifth year senior. You're talking Texas specifically. I mean, obviously yeah. Tristan had a huge start in in that game against East Carolina. Um, you know, he's kind of a fifth year senior. hadn't had you know the year everyone expected him to, but he was nails uh, in a game that had to win to get to Omaha. Six innings, uh, one run. Um, you know, I know they like the front end of their rotation uh, in in Austin Hansen and along with uh, with Lucas Gordon. Um, those guys got hit around a little bit against East Carolina. And I mean, I, I have no doubt they're going to come back in Omaha and, and, and be their, their usual selves. But um, I think that's where you kind of look at it for East Carolina and say, you know, those are some things that went your way. And it, it felt like it was all right there for the taking um, and uh, just could not close it out. And I think the biggest thing I learned about Texas this weekend, which I think those who had followed it had known for a little while now, but like we talk about their pitching and, and, and that was the real strength coming in, but my God, their offense is rolling. They hit nine home runs in three games. And, and I know wow. East Carolina is a, a, a small yard, but I, I think their offense almost kind of carried them through that super. Yeah. And I mean, Texas also has somebody like uh, Douglas Hodo now. Yeah. 
he's also the guy that knocked the ball over the fence. I'm not sure if you <laughs> so <Yeah>. he <laughs> take that out. He's another person that it, it, you could be looking at in a, a you know, I think he's ranked in the high hundreds, if not 200 on, on MLB.com. Um, so, so that's somebody that could get drafted as an outfielder. Uh, Trey Faltini, which is a name that I didn't realize was pronounced Faltini rather than Faltine or Faltine for a while. But yeah. Yeah, that's another person that you could be looking at at a draft pick. Um, so they, they have the guys, but it's really Melendez and, yeah. and Hanson leading the charge. And um, there was another record that was broken, and that's Tennessee's Ben Joyce threw 29 pitches at 101 or more miles per hour in a single game. No MLB pitcher has recorded such a feat at the MLB level. He's ranked 116 in the draft. Um, what, tell me about Ben Joyce. I mean, has he been like that all year? So as far as Ben Joyce is concerned, it has kind of been a known commodity the last couple of months. I'm trying to remember when I first saw it pop up because I remember being like, wow. And it was early in the season. I, I want to say mid to late March, maybe when they first got in the SEC play where I was starting to see some things on, you know, whether it's pitching Ninja or, or, or likely given Maddie's prowess far into fame. Uh, but he's kind of been doing it for, for a little while. And they used him as a starter for, for, for a little while. And, and, you know, it's kind of a good segue into Tennessee as a whole. But you know, they have so much pitching depth, you know, I mean, they got, they got a closer in Redmond Walsh who is not blowing up the radar gun like Joyce's by any means. I mean, he's just kind of been, uh, you know, a classic location, keep hitters off balance, veteran uh, back end of their bullpen. But no, I think Joy Joyce has pretty much been pumping that really since at least the last two months, if not, if not longer. And, and you know, that, that's when it got on my radar, I guess. And we talked a lot about Kevin Copps last season. We know, um, yeah. you know, that there can be a lot of value behind college relievers, but are you surprised? I mean, and I know that, that you had just looked up a different draft ranking that had Ivan Melendez um, higher than 115, but to see Ivan Melendez ranked at 115 and Ben Joyce ranked at 116. I mean, they're valuing this reliever as much as the guy who, led college baseball and home runs no and and, and again to your point i, I know baseball america they, they, they bumped them up a good bit um i think they just feel like there's, there's a lot of risk as far as you know reliever risk when it comes to him i don't think he really profiles as a starter sliders pretty good and let's be honest it, it doesn't have to be much better than than average to have success throwing uh the the, the type of velocity that that joyce is throwing but he's again a, a, an older guy uh he'll he'll be just shy of 22 years old when the, when the draft goes down um and again it's he had been a look at the slider for strikes so i think my my gut would be as i think teams are a little hesitant um to invest at the top of the draft mm -hmm. if you've got a guy who's likely going to be a reliever Pete, do you care about Velo anymore? Yeah, when it's 104, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I care about all Velo, if I'm honest. But, yeah, I think guys now are getting... The games at the big league level is changing and there's more of an emphasis on strikes rather than stuff at the moment. And I think, I think it's... Uh, I think there's going to be a shift back. Big Velo is always going to be a thing because it always has been. But if you can have both, then you're going to be unbelievable. Y'all know who I think about a lot when I think about Velo, and I, I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. But it was a reliever that the Braves had like 
Mauricio Cabrera. Yep. Yep. I was going to say in like 17 or 18. Yep. And I mean, he had, I mean, he, they were really, really helpful for him, even yeah. in a closer role. Um, oh, yeah. And then he just kind of, well, I think there were some issues. He had one good six month period where he was, he was unbelievable. He had one, one period where he was locked in and then he just couldn't throw strikes anymore. I love how you got that so quick, Wiley. <laughs> Well, because I, I was as excited as you were about it yeah. when he came up. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh. Because And then I remember he kind of had a chance to revisit it, too, because, you know, we're looking up, you know, last time a Braves pitcher touched 100 and all those types of things. Now with Spencer Strider coming up, and we're going back, oh, yeah, Mauricio Cabrera. So he's, he's been top of mind anyway recently, given what, what Strider mm -hmm. has done. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I remember to this day being like, oh, my gosh. Like, and that was not that 100's commonplace now by any means, but, like, obviously he had Chapman you know, yeah. who was Cincinnati and that was like, whoa. Um, but Cabrera to me was kind of one of the, the, the first other guys I remember who were able to just reach back and get a hundred, you know, mm -hmm. seemingly anytime they wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Man, I, I wish that relievers were more valued in the draft. I mean, you see Kevin Copps was the guy last year. Um, now he was part of a, a no hitter in Padres double A this season. Yeah. He pitched an inning, but he finished off a no hitter. Um, yeah. And he's already at double A less than a year after being drafted. So that's somebody that's going to be an impact arm with the Padres. And then not that I just want to make everything Yankees based, but their bullpen is shut down and they have the best record any baseball team's had in a long time. So just not valuing relievers in the draft always baffles me a little bit. So I'm hoping that Ben Joyce gets what he deserves in this draft. Not that I'm going to make this all about the bullpens, but look at how impactful the bullpens have been over the last seven or eight World Series. Talk to me about yeah. value, about bullpen arms. Give me a break. It's bullshit. Tone, Pete. I will. Well, Wiley, okay. have you ever been to Hudson Valley? No, I have not. Well, that's where the Hudson Valley Renegades play. And okay. that's the high A affiliate of the New York Yankees. For tickets, you can call 845-838-0094 or visit hvrenegades.com. This is in Wappingers Falls, New York. You can buy one, get one lower box ticket the rest of the season with code JOMBOY. You can follow them on Instagram at hvrenegades or on Twitter at hvrenegades or on TikTok at hvrenegades. Way to make it easy. You can follow them to stay up to date with all the top Yankee prospects as they make their way through the system you know john boy media is a big yankees company the season is still getting started at the dutch come find your fun only at the dutch new hats new merch and new swag only mm. at the renegades team store you can get, use the code john boy for 20 percent off your purchase today um so make sure you visit hvrenegades.com buy one get one lower box ticket the rest of the season with promo code john boy uh, Maddie, they have some they have some players listed down here. Everson Piera, I'm going to pronounce all these wrong. Matt Sawyer, Beck Way, love that name. Anthony Siegler, anybody there stand out to you? I mean, I always like to say it. I, I just like Trey Sweeney because he excites me being last year's draft pick. Uh, he's due to hit a home run. I think it's been uh, a week and a half or two weeks. So if you go out there and you catch Trey Sweeney, home run let me know because i'm predicting a home run soon and you will pay big bucks for it is that what you're offering yep hundred thousand for an any trace we need home run over the next two weeks i'm in yep. i think my cat's trying to get on the mic okay wiley let's start off 
um, with Notre Dame knocking off number one, Tennessee in three games. I still am kind of in shock a little bit in this one, I'll be honest. And the way that they did it. Yes. No, and it's it's funny because I've seen some Notre Dame fans be like, this isn't an upset, you know, we're, we're really good. And they're they're correct. They're really good. Straight up really good. Won the ACC by four and a half games last year. They pretty much had the same team back with the exception of Nico Cavadas, uh, who was their masher in the heart of their lineup. And they're really good. Having said that, it's a big upset. It is a big Tennessee has finished 59 and seven. They, they lost three home games all year, right. and they lose two and one week in the Notre Dame. Like, Notre Dame shouldn't take that so personally that it's not – it is – it's a massive upset. And it would have been, for I think, candidly, anybody in the country to go in to Knoxville and, and win that Super Regional. But to me, I think the story was is, is you had Blade Tidwell, um, you know, who obviously missed some time due to the injury. He's a projected, you know, first or second round pick. Uh, and Notre Dame kind of hit him in the mouth. And they hit Tennessee in the mouth. Got up big in that first game. Uh, held on they were able to close it out how about jack finley uh out of the bullpen freshman getting it done because you know notre dame like their whole I, somebody told me and i don't know if this is 100 percent accurate but like i think eight of their nine hitters have already graduated from notre dame wow like yeah like they, they just got a bunch of experienced guys and whether or not it's eight or maybe it's six regardless they have maybe the most veteran lineup in college baseball and this is a group that um you know, really struggled out of the gate in their careers, you know, at the back end of 2018, 2019, you know, they're freshmen and sophomores. And obviously 2020 was COVID. They had a new coach in Link Jarrett. And what they've accomplished the last two years, winning the ACC, and they were nearly, uh, they were one game away from Omaha last year, losing uh, at Duty Noble in Mississippi State. I think people said this going into this past weekend about how that experience is going to help them. And I really think it did. Having said that, Tennessee was in position going into the final game on Sunday. Um, they had a three to one lead in the seventh inning. They had a rested bullpen. Chase Burns was great. And David LaManna, Jack Brannigan, perhaps the two biggest home runs in Notre Dame history, um, back to back in the bottom of the seventh to give them the lead. And then Jack Finlay, who again closed out the first game with a couple innings, got the save. He goes five scoreless to shut down the number one team in the country as a freshman. So to me, the the comparison between Notre Dame's veteran lineup and <laughs> just a freshman coming in there and being like, "Where am I? What's going on, yeah. Knoxville? Yeah, okay, we're going to Omaha. Cool." So, uh, so, so link the link Jarrett thing. You said to me, you just I said Tennessee, and you just said back Link Jarrett on a, in a text message exchange. And is he leaving Notre Dame after this? That is a big question. Uh, he addressed it. Uh, during this past weekend in the Super East, said, look, I'm focused on Notre Dame and Tennessee right now. I'm not going to talk about that stuff. I get why you have to ask. I'm paraphrasing, but, yeah. you know, we're trying to go to Omaha, and I'm not going to worry about that right now. Huh. I think Florida State is sitting there, let Mike Martin Jr. go, which I think, I mean, at least to me, was a little bit of a surprise. You know, I know they were disappointed. Um, you know, they, they were picked to win the ACC and wound up being a three seed, really couldn't hit, um, was, was their biggest challenge. But to let him go, I think anybody who can put one and one together could sit here and say Link Jarrett's going to get a big offer from Florida State. I mean, that's, right. I don't, that, that's not any inside information. That's just me speculating. But, um, you know, the question is, is, is you know, does, is he, does he want to leave Notre Dame? I'd sit here and say he's going to lose a lot of his players from this year's team just given the you know, lack of eligibility. You know, those guys are all kind of moving on. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I do know Link Jarrett, one or the other, is going to have a chance to, uh, to to get a big offer from either Notre Dame, Florida State, or, yeah, he's going to get paid. Exactly. Exactly. So, 
Um, that'll be something fun to follow after the College World Series. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. for the time being, Notre Dame, uh, what what a turnaround they've had since COVID. Can they make a run in Omaha? Now that Tennessee's out, I'd argue anybody can make a run in Omaha, right? I mean, yeah. you know, but and, and they're the one who, you know, slayed the dragon, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, killed the the wicked witch of the East, if you will. So that's my whole uh-huh. point. If you if you're if if you're looking at bet and I know we're looking at betting odds now, it's just become an absolute nightmare for Vegas now, right? Oh, who knows? Who knows? I, I mean that's how I feel. Or a good thing it. for Vegas, I guess, because they yeah. no there's no favorite. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that concerns me with Notre Dame is a lot of the times when you see this, the some team takes out the the big. They've won their championship now. They've won. They've, yeah, they did what they thought they couldn't yeah. do. So right. Anything from now is like an anticlimax. I so Notre Dame is going to be facing um, Texas, and yep, in that the first. I don't know if it's the first game of the College World Series, but that will be there. It'll be day. One. It'll be day one. Yeah. That matchup. Okay. Awesome. Now let's touch on, we talked about this one a little bit, but Texas coming back to knock off ECU um, Mm. in three games. Uh, We talked a lot about Texas up at the top of the show, but anything specifically from that series that we didn't hit on? I think we hit most of it again. I just go back to the fact that Texas didn't really get a good start from, from Pete Hansen. They lost game one and they're down seven to two in the seventh inning of game two. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they were they were dead in the water because it's super regional and you're facing Texas, who's now been to more than half of the College World Series all time. They, they've been to 38 of the 75. That's wow. that's bonkers. So, you know, until you close the door, the door's not closed. But, you know, you, you get a two-run home run from Douglas Hodo in the seventh, uh, another big home run uh, from, from Skylar Messenger in the eighth, Dylan Campbell a home run in the eighth to give him the lead. And, you know, we'll have – you guys have a chance to talk about Texas, you know, going into this this College World Series. But just shout-out to East Carolina for, you know – and I know everyone in Greenville is sick of hearing this because they, they want to get to Omaha, and I get that, and, and I, I don't blame them for it. But for a group that had their, their their number one pitcher suspended for the season and ruled ineligible by the NCAA, for a group that was 14 and 13 about halfway through the season, not just to, to get to game three of a Super, but have a chance to host it and what they did yeah. – you know, and, and Cliff Godwin, Peter is another name as the head coach, of East Carolina. I mean, his name comes up every year when it comes to, you know, big openings. And we'll see what Florida State does, what Clemson does. Those are two of the bigger jobs that are open presently. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, if, if he comes back to East Carolina next year or not. But, you know, I, I know it's going to leave a sour taste in his mouth and everyone else's mouth in green, but they weren't able to get it done. What kind of a what, just I'm not thinking about applying, but a head coach of, say, Clemson baseball, that's a. 12 month commitment, 12 hours a day commitment, right? That's just, that yep. is absolutely oh, yeah. just recruiting nonstop. Just all you think about is college baseball all yep. the time. Man. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No. And I think the big thing with Clemson in my mind is, you know, it, I, that's a group they went through about a 20, 20, 25 year period, I think, somewhere in there where like there was a stat where if you played for Clemson and you were there for all four years, you went to Omaha, period. Like, Wow. They like they didn't like again. There, there were some guys who may have only been there for two and got drafted, but like any player who was there for four years went to Omaha at least once and yes. haven't been back since 2010. You know they they let Jack Leggett go. Um, you know an all time Clemson legend there, and and I'm not saying that was the wrong thing to do either. I mean I I, I think you know it was pretty clear things were, were trending a little bit down. Um, you know, and Monty Lee came in there kind of in some ways similar to you know kind of your your, your classic rising group of five guy knew the area well. 
and just wasn't able to get them going. You know, they had the ACC player of the year, Max Wagner, this season, um, but really just dug such a deep, deep hole in the first few weeks of ACC play. They, they really couldn't overcome it. They were close. I mean, there were probably a, a couple wins in the ACC tournament from getting in, and, and we've seen Ole Miss has shown us what, you know, if you just get in, you yeah. got a chance. So yeah. I think for, for Clemson, that, that's a group who, you know, got off to such a great start and just and just couldn't quite, uh, you know, get in there. So I don't know. I'm sorry we ended up on Clemson, I guess. No, but, but we, <laughs> we, we call that shitting down your own leg, Wiley. So is that is that is that what happened to Matt's uh, lamp in the back? Is that <laughs> <laughs> not yet? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, who's okay? We got Oklahoma upsetting number four Virginia Tech in three games. Um, what stood out? What's the big storyline from that series? I'm going to write it down. I think the storyline is that Oklahoma in two of the three games held Virginia Tech's offense in check. And you know, look, I think even Virginia Tech would tell you they were. If they were going to get to Omaha, they were going to have to get some serious offensive fireworks because they're pitching on paper, you know, with, with all due respect to Drew Hackenberg, you know, who obviously comes from quite a family line. His brother Christian was a star at a quarterback at Penn State. And uh, they, the guy had a tremendous freshman year. Um, but Virginia Tech in the three games, the, the most innings they got from a starter was three, and that was on Sunday. Hackenberg lasted just two and two-thirds. Uh, I think Griffin Green was an inning plus. Um, on the flip side, Jake Bennett, seven innings, gave up just one earned run against Virginia Tech at English Field, which, you know, I was reading somewhere an opposing coach likens English Field to, to, to Coors Field for college baseball, where it's just it's almost like you're playing on, on the moon in a lot of ways. You're, you, there's a ton of wind, ball really carries, and the turf is fast. I mean, you got ground balls that are, are, are you know, it looks like they're they're hitting those, you know, Mario Kart, Mario Kart like accelerating bumps. <laughs> oh. And then I think the difference in the Sunday game was Cade, it was Cade Horton. He went six innings, gave up two runs, only allowed two hits. I mean, I think at Virginia Tech, if, if they were told that you're going to get two runs on two hits in, in the Super Regional in your home field, you know, I think they would have said, you know what, I guess it just wasn't our day because wow. that's an offense that has carried them the whole year. They had not lost a weekend period since uh, mid-March, you know, when they got swept at Georgia Tech. They won their last nine ACC series. Um, won the ACC, they're the number one overall seed for a group that finished or was picked to finish last in the ACC's uh, Atlantic Coastal Division. So, you know, I think Virginia Tech had an unbelievable year, like maybe the most overachieving team in college baseball. A&M would have something to say about that, of course, but for a group that really hadn't done anything in close to a decade to, to be the number four national seed, Really impressive. Um, but again, I think it is just tough to win when you, you don't get any length out of your starters. And, and Virginia Tech had found a way to do that for the most part this year. Um, but ultimately, you, you've got to be able to pitch a little bit uh, to, to have success, you know, once you get to this part of the season. Who is, is, is Peyton Graham the name on OU's roster? That's, that's their shortstop. Um, he had 20 home runs so far this season. Yeah. But is, that, that, is he the guy for them? I would I, going into the weekend. I would have said absolutely. Uh, I think Tanner Tanner Treadaway, center fielder for them, had a, quite a weekend. He had two home runs in in, in, the, in the deciding game. Uh, he's got nine on the year. He's also stolen twenty plus bases. But I think if you're following prospect wise, Peyton Graham's. I think he might be. You know, we're obviously uh, recording this before Stanford and UConn wraps up, and Brock Jones is, is probably the prospect yeah. left in the field. But I think Peyton Graham's only a couple. You know, 10, 15 spots behind him according to the Baseball America's list. So. Oh. 
Um, well, OU is going to move on to play Texas A&M on Friday um, in the College World Series. Texas A&M just swept Louisville in two games. Uh, Texas A&M comes in number five, Louisville ranked number 12. Um, what, what stood out to you from that series? Two one-run games. I mean, I, I candidly, I think on paper, that was probably one of the more evenly matched Super Regionals, and it, and it didn't go the first, the, the, the full three. But Louisville had a lead after five in both of those games. Um, and I think the difference really was, you know, what Texas A&M's bullpen was able to do. You got Jacob Ballish at the back end who transferred from Stanford. And then maybe, you know, my personal favorite name in this entire uh, College World Series field uh, – his first name's Joseph. I don't call him Joseph. I call him Moo Menifee. Uh, his name's Joseph Menifee. They call him Moo. Okay. Uh, and he's just a back end of the, you know, reliever guy who he, he, in a lot of ways, the quintessential college baseball player, just the looks and, and the whole aura of, uh, of Moo Menifee is, is one of my favorites. Um, and it's funny, you know, I was doing the, uh, the Texas A&M and uh, Auburn series uh, last year in 2021. It was late May. It was mid-May. And, and basically the stakes were the winner goes to the SEC tournament and the loser's not going to postseason period. And now both those teams making a super regional. A&M uh, reaching the College World Series. Auburn, as we're recording this, still has one more game against Oregon State. But um, what those two teams have done in the West, just breathtaking turnarounds. And, you know, Jim Schlossnagel brought in a ton of transfers. You got Is this Dylan his Rock. first year? Like, was he at yes, TCU last year? Oh, yeah, okay. last year. Yeah, 100%. Um, and you've got guys, Dylan Rock from uh, Texas San Antonio, Jack Moss from Arizona State, Micah Dallas, Texas Tech. We touched on Palace Stanford. And to me, maybe one of the stars of the Super was Troy Clonch, their, their catching transfer from Oregon State, walk-off RBI single in game one. And – his caught stealings in game two from behind the plate. Louisville loves to run. I mean, they're, they're one of the best base stealing teams in the country. And he caught him twice um, in, in that game two in a one run game. So between that and then the fact that AM's bullpen did not give up a, a run in the two games against Louisville, they had nine scoreless innings in the two games combined against a Louisville offense that is one of the top 10 or 15 of the country. Um, is that know, normal or is that, was that, was that out of the ordinary for them? Oh, uh, you know, I haven't followed him week in, week out, but I mean, judging that they're the number five national seed and, and, and have put together the year they have, I can't imagine they were shocked by it. Sure. Um, but still, I mean, to be able to do that on a big stage at your own super regional against a team like Louisville, uh, really impressive. And, and again, Nate Yeski, their pitching coach, he's a Pac-12 guy, Oregon State, Arizona, has had a lot of success. And, uh, you know, between Schlossnagel and Yeski, those are two guys who've had so much success um, in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Uh, now for them in their first year in the SEC to come in there and basically just say, hey, we're here and, and, and we're going to be a top five seed and we're going to the College World Series. That's pretty loud in my mind. Yeah. And they were the first team uh, that secured their spot in yes. the College World Series. This is the first time that they'll be going to Omaha since 2017. But yeah, I mean, it, I hear Jim Schlotzenegel's name. That's all Casey talks about. Jim Schlotzenegel. Oh, yeah. Jim Schlotzenegel. <laughs> um, so really cool. I mean, I'm I'm from Texas and Texas A&M oh, no cannot stand Texas A&M, but um, <laughs> congratulations to the Aggies. Do they have any um, big draft prospects? I mean, nobody that's going to be like a top 50 pick, right, Maddie? I'm not, I'm not forgetting anybody. I don't, at least not. No. not yeah. Nobody jumped into mine. And then when I, when I control F on MLB's 
Texas.com's draft prospects, nothing even comes up in the top 200 for Texas A&M. Hmm. Wow. Okay. All righty. Uh, what about Arkansas walking it off to sweep the best jerseys? Um, left in Super Regionals. Really bummed about that one. Their jerseys in game two are so clean. Um, they beat number 10 UNC in two games. Arkansas, um, I just – Kevin Copps, man, I know he's not there anymore, but I just, that's what put Arkansas on my radar last year. I never paid attention <laughs> to University of Arkansas one day in my life until Kevin Copps. Uh -huh. um, but what about, I'm trying to look up if they have anybody of note or anything from that series specifically. Besides well, I mean, the third, you know, base, third base coach wearing those J's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the big story with Arkansas in that regional is, is when they're starting pitching. Uh, Connor Nolan went six and two thirds scoreless. That's a guy who, you know, began his career as a quarterback at Arkansas, started a game um, as Arkansas's quarterback. I think it was 2018, 19. Sorry, sorry. Apologies, apologies to Razorback Nation. I know, I know he beat Tulsa, but six and two thirds scoreless. He's, he's kind of been the backbone of their team. And then you got Will McIntyre in game two, five and two thirds scoreless. And look, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, uh, I think North Carolina really overachieved this year. Um, and, and I don't think offensively, if you were going to rank the, the 16 teams and, and what they can do offensively, they're probably in the bottom half, maybe even the bottom quarter. Um, you know, Vance Honeycutt, by the way, that's a name you have to know for Carolina. Absolute stud of a freshman. We're talking next year, obviously. But, like, yeah. my, that dude's got a chance to be a first-round pick, you know, whenever if he's eligible next year or the year after. But, anyway, let, let's focus on the team that won. Um, you know, Arkansas, look, going into the season, and they're not the only team, I'm sure we'll get to Ole Miss here shortly, that had like some pretty serious expectations coming in. Um, and in a lot of ways, like they didn't reach those, but at the same time, they had a really good year. Like they went 18 and 12 in, in the SEC. They, they just missed being a regional host. And look, I, I know can't, Arkansas fans were, were really frustrated with the lack of offensive success they had this year. I think going into the season, people thought it was going to be one of the top four or five offenses in the country, maybe top two or three. And they just kind of sort of hadn't really done it most of the year. I, I saw them in Auburn um, in early May, and you got a guy like Robert Moore, who was really a, a known commodity. His father, obviously the, the, the VP and, or the, the president of baseball ops for the Royals, uh, and I'm, I'm sure a name that Peter knows quite well in Dayton. Um, but you know, he hadn't really gotten it going. And then you got Peyton Stovall, who was supposed to be like the freshman in college baseball. When I saw him in Auburn, he, he wasn't even in the lineup. Now, part of that was an injury. Uh, I think he had, had a finger busted up, but he also like wasn't really hitting with like they thought he was going to. Well, he hits a home run in game one of this regional. Brady Slavens with a walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth. And, you know, again, Arkansas didn't light the world on fire offensively, but you're facing a Carolina pitching staff that I think is pretty good. Um, and, and they did enough. And, again, I mean, I think this is a group. It's almost like that year-after type of deal where it's like last year was supposed to be the year, supposed to be yeah. the year, and then they're kind of lying in the weeds. Tennessee's basically who they were a year ago, although with a little more uh, – uh, less likable, I suppose, uh, for, for, for Tennessee than Arkansas last year. Um, but I think Arkansas is kind of lying in the weeds. And if I, the one guy I would point to on their team, maybe not a draft prospect, but a, just a dude, uh, Michael Turner, man, transfer from Kent State, catcher, emotional team leader. He took some real heat from a radio host down there in Fayetteville who really went after him uh, for his answer in the SEC tournament at a press conference. And I, he and he and that group, they have dealt with more uh, – outside criticism for a team that had as much success they did 
than any team I can remember. And, and here they are in Omaha for the fifth time in the last 10 tournaments. Wow. And the way that they did it, the way that they, I mean, it, they were down three, two in the bottom of the ninth inning. Oh yeah. Um, loaded the bases, walked it off. Uh, they're going to play the winner of Stanford or UConn, which is one of the two game threes that we're waiting on today. By the time this episode comes out, we'll know the winner. I'm picking a hard, hard left turn here. Okay. Ooh, okay. Hard left because you talked about criticism and this is something that I want to talk about that has absolutely nothing to do with college baseball and everything to do with Jazz Chisholm Jr. What did I miss when I was in Jamaica? There was a closed door team meeting for the Marlins and they just like railed Jazz. I have no idea. Called we have Dennis no, Rodman. We don't know. We, we don't know the details. Uh, I know what everybody else has read, but from what has been leaked, Apparently there was a team meeting based on Jazz Chisholm, but I don't know what that. What does a closed door meeting mean? Is that just the players? Just the players and maybe the manager. Okay, so is that a player who like were you ever? Does, is that frequent? Uh, no, never about a player. But closed door. I mean, I, yeah. If you if you go like oh and fourteen, you're going to have a someone's going to flip the spread or someone's going to have a meeting or something. Yeah. I would just assume that like all meetings are like closed door meetings and you're like yeah. in the clubhouse okay. i think it's just to add like when they say breaking news uh kelsey's cat is sitting on the back of her chair it's not breaking news but that's how they get people's attention just like closed door meeting like it was a meeting it doesn't matter if the doors were open or fucking closed it was just a meeting yeah. so this is just Can you have a closed door meeting outside? yes definitely yeah if you're yeah. in the marlins marlins park because it's a dome okay yeah okay jazz yeah. is still our king okay yes. Now I'm getting back on track. Old Miss blanking number 11, Southern Miss, and two, two straight games to sweep. Wiley kind of mentioned this earlier, but Old Miss was the last team to get in. They were like 64 out of 64 to make it um, into the, the postseason tournament at all, into a regional. So really cool to see them advance to uh, Omaha. How, how have they been able to do that? How do you go from the last team in to one of the final eight teams? Well, they've, they've just kind of beaten the ever – living you know what out of the teams they've played i mean it's just they just body slammed everybody it feels like they, they have pitched their tails off uh they, they have outscored their opponents in their five games in the postseason 46 to 11 wait can uh, you say they, that again 46 to 11 wow. um admittedly southern miss the, the reason southern miss got to where they were is because they they can really pitch it i mean they, they have an outstanding pitching staff and so you know, offensively, it was going to have to be a little nip and tuck for them. Uh, and game got away from them um, in game one. It was 10 nothing final. I don't think that tells the full story of how close that game was because uh, Reese Ewing uh, for Southern Miss appeared to hit a go-ahead grand slam in the fifth, would have made it 4-3 to three Southern Miss, but it was just foul. Um, there was some controversy whether or not it was foul or fair or foul. Uh, to me, I think the story was for all the fans who were sitting right near the pole, their celebration a little more subdued. I think they thought it was foul. And then next thing you know, it was, oh, maybe it is a home run. I mean, they, they fired off the, the, the home run celebration on the in-stadium PA and, and all the music and all that type of stuff. So that was kind of the big moment in that series in my mind. But it was the whole story with Ole Miss is they basically just have completely reinvented their pitching staff. Um, they had kind of a group of guys that said, okay, here's who we're going to rely on. And they kind of got to the point where they were seven and 14 in the SEC with, you know, at nine games left to play. And they basically, you know what? We got to, we got to change things around here. They've gone with Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott 
um, who have been absolute uh, just dudes for them in the rotation. And they've kind of sort of figured it out. And like, if you told somebody at the start of the season that Ole Miss was going to be in Omaha, I think nobody would have batted an eye. I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, I mean, those guys are good. I mean, they were, they were the number one team in the country going into the, the SEC opener against uh, Auburn in mid-March. And they just could not pitch, you know, I mean, and they kind of had some fun with it. I mean, they had kind of the arm barn, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I think at one point, I think coach Bianco said, we don't have starting pitchers. We just have pitchers. You know, we don't, we don't really define our roles. It's just, we got guys that come in, they get out. So that's, that's kind of the message we're looking for. Um, and talk about turning it around at the last possible moment, just got in. Um, and, and again, they only just got in because they won seven of their last nine SBC games. And for wow. a guy like coach Bianco, I mean, you go, go Google, you know, coach Mike Bianco and look at the articles that were written in April. We're, we're talking less than two months ago. It's, this is going to be tough. He's been here for 22 years, but clearly, you know, Ole Miss baseball needs a new direction, needs to do something differently. And I'm not saying that the people who wrote those are necessarily wrong. I mean, you know, they hadn't been to Omaha since 2014, you know, they're in the SEC West, which is probably the toughest neighborhood in college baseball. Um, but man, I mean, talk about a group, you know, in, in my mind, like Arkansas dealt with some of it, but I think internally they could sit here and say, look, I mean, whether or not we're getting credit for it from our fans, we're having a good season. We're, we're where we need to be that we're going to have the opportunity to have success in June. Ole Miss was at a point in, um, you know, May one where it was like, we're getting criticized and, and, and it's kind of, I mean, there's a reason for it. We're, we're not right. going to make a regional unless we catch fire. And, and that's yeah. exactly what they did. Well, to your point, I'm reading an article right now that says just six weeks ago, Ole Miss was seven and four in the SEC. They yeah. likely weren't even going to make the SEC tournament um, at that point. And here they are in Omaha waiting, waiting out the winner of Auburn, Oregon State um, to see who they'll play in the College World Series. But you mentioned it. The SEC West, I mean, I know Ole Miss hasn't been to, to Omaha since 2014, but yeah. this is a team if you're in the SEC West, the level of competition that you're playing day in and day out, it's like you, you, you're not phased coming into the, and I know, you know, I don't know much about the ACC, but they came out of the Coral Gables regional with Miami. Yeah. They are, but they've been there, done that. I know they haven't been there, done that since 2014, but any team in the SEC West has that confidence and has that poise. They've played some of the best in college baseball all year round. Um, so very, very cool for Ole Miss. I don't know. Would you consider them a Cinderella story? No, maybe. I don't see. I don't think there is a true Cinderella this year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know UConn. And again, we'll see. I'm recording this before that game against Stanford. Some people will say they are. But like you're talking about a team that like, yes, their schedule kind of is what it is. But like, do you know, I mean, they're, they're the only team that won more games than them this year is Tennessee. Like they're a bunch of winners and, and, and they are they've been kind of a force. Uh, in the Northeast for a while now, um, you know, so I, I guess they're the closest to it. But again, like I, there's no true Cinderella in my mind because Ole Miss, again, like that's a team that was ranked number one at the country at some point this year, like yeah. the talents. There. Like I, so I would say there's, there's not really a Cinderella in this year's field, although I know it, there, there's this impulse and this, and this desire and, and understandably so like to have somebody every year who's like, who's not supposed to be here. Yeah. Um, there might be some teams who aren't supposed to be here, but it's not because they're not good enough, if that makes sense. Well, like we mentioned, Ole Miss waiting the winner of Auburn or Oregon State. Uh, that game three will, will be played today on Monday. Um, Auburn took game one. Oregon State took game two. Um, who do you see winning out this one? Wow, now I have a chance to, like, get be wrong in the future, but Woo! in the present. Yeah. Oh, we do it all the time. <laughs> uh, wow. I, you know, 
this is I thought this is gonna be one of the tougher regionals to pick to begin with, um, just because I think both teams had some really good things going for them. Um, in game two, uh, Cooper Jerpy was able to slow down Auburn's offense a little bit, which hadn't been done really so far in this postseason. Um, I'm going to take home field and say Oregon State's going to find a way to win it, you know, up at Goss Stadium. Um, but I think a lot of people have fallen into this trap with Auburn because you look on paper and it's like, well, are they that special or, you know, like what's kind of, what are they elite at? And, you know, Butch Thompson, the head coach at Auburn, who's already taken Omaha once, that was in 2019. He's kind of said it all season long, like there is something about this team that is hard to quantify. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, a case where the, uh, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts for all. Mm. So, you know, I think that's, that's a big, that's a big thing for Bush this year. And for a group that nearly missed the SEC tournament last year, the turnaround they have had has been really impressive. So I'm going to go ahead and say, like, I think it's a coin flip and it probably comes down as it does most days, Peter and Kelsey, to like who gets the better start on the mound. Yeah. Um, and, and I haven't seen uh, who, who either team is planning on starting today. I know they both got some good stuff on their pen. Um, you know, and I think, uh, if, if I'll say this, if Auburn wins it, Sonny Deshera is going to be in the middle of it. I can, I can promise you that, uh, he, he will be a big part of it. Their first baseman who is just having an unreal year transferring in from Samford. And is just a guy who got a chance to play in the SEC this year and showed he belonged. Is he a draft prospect or is he not eligible? He, oh, he's eligible. Uh, I think he's, he's a case. And I mean, I think I'm not breaking news to anybody. Like it's just, it, it, it's, it's a body issue for Sonny. Um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, um, oh, I can't remember the, the, the name of the guy, but um, uh, there's a big Alabama star, like 15, 20 years ago. You guys have seen Moneyball, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the end of the movie where, where they, they show that guy who tried to hit a, or, you know, hit a, thought he hit a double and was going to try for second base and face planted and all that type of deal. Um, mm -hmm. I was having, uh, somebody tell me that Sonny was kind of similar to that, where it's, I mean, the hit tool is so real. He's got such power, such a great eye, but like the, the body type is just, it's going to limit how high he can be taken in the draft, but like mm -hmm. the production's un undeniable. He'll have a chance. Um, but like most guys, if you're not playing in the middle of the diamond, you're going to have to really hit. So, um, you know, I, I like the bat a lot. And, and to be fair to Oregon state too, like, I mean, you, know, you want to give them some love as well. I mean, what, what Jacob Melton has done, their center fielder pac 12 player of the year you know, 83 RBI uh, through two yeah. games. That's regional just tied Adley Rushman's uh, single season record. Uh, so he's in good company. And again, I mean, you're talking about Oregon State, who uh, for them, it's a big moment just for Mitch Canham, you know, the coach who replaced Pat Casey, whose name is on the right field wall. Jersey's retired. Uh, he was in the park uh, in, in game two of that series. I'm sure he'll be there for game three. And a chance for him to lead Oregon State to Omaha for the first time as the head coach. And, hmm. you know, I, I can tell right now, Kelsey, we, the, the cat is fired up about the prospects of the Beavers. I don't know what's happening. Maddie, who's the, who's the pitcher that you tweeted about who got like the standing O last night? I thought it was an Oregon State pitcher. Cooper Jerby. Cooper Jerby. Okay. Yeah, that's somebody that you've mentioned a couple of times because the last name doesn't look like how it would be pronounced. Just got to drop that age. Yeah. I mean, Jerpy is, is he's one of three finalists for the Golden Spikes Award. It's him, yeah. Ivan Melendez, uh, and, and Kevin Parada at Georgia Tech. So, um, you know, he's, I mean, yeah, bona fide, like the whole deal. And and he's a big part of the reason they, they, they were able to force a game three in that super regional was, was his performance. And he was supposed to start game one and then was sick. And 
Um, so good to see Oregon State get him back. And again, you know, we'll, we'll know by the time this comes out, but he'll be a name to watch if Oregon State is in Omaha. That'll be a start you're, you're definitely going to want to lock in for. I'm excited for two game threes tonight. Okay, so uh, we await the winner of that one. And then the final Super Regional we have is number two, Stanford, Stanford surviving game two against UConn to forcing the other game three that we'll be paying attention to tonight. Um, like I said earlier, who will play the winner of that one? Arkansas is awaiting the winner of Stanford and, and UConn. Any thoughts on, on that game three? I think for me, this has been like, this was a series that didn't feel like it was going to be that hard to predict what happened. I think most people felt like Stanford home field, all the offensive talent they have was, was going to have some success uh, against UConn, but you did feel like, okay, you've got, um, Alex Williams, Pac-12 pitcher of the year for Stanford going in game one. Uh, he gets uh, really beaten up. UConn was up 9 nothing middle of the second. You're like, whoa, okay, didn't see that coming. Uh, yeah. UConn holds on for dear life uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning in game one. They're up 13-6. to six. Stanford hits four home runs in the ninth inning. They hit eight on the day. Uh, and they, uh, it was 13 to 12 before UConn was finally able to get the last out. So they got the win, first super regional win in school history for UConn. And then Stanford, uh, in game two, they're going up against Austin Peterson, who first team all Big East, uh, certainly in the running uh, for Big East pitch of the year. He gives up seven runs in, in a third. So you've got the Pac 12 pitch of the year. Alex Williams gets hit hard. That's game one. Then, the, again, a candidate for Big East pitch of the year. I think it depends on what outlet you looked at, whether or not he won it. Um, but he gives up seven runs in the third. So go try and figure out. I mean, we're thinking these games are going to go one way, they go the complete opposite way. Um, but to me, it, it's hard not to bet on the home team when the home team's got Brock Jones uh, and, yeah. and, and the home team's got Drew Bowser, who's hit 10 home runs his last 11 games. I mean, you know, so with that said, I think UConn is, is it's one game. All right. It's one game there, but they're, they're going to have to pitch better than they did um, yesterday. Uh, and and it, I mean, they had a stretch between the, the eighth and ninth inning of game one and then the first and second inning of game two. We saw what Stanford's offense can do. Mm. And I don't think, I mean, I, I know you kind of put up 13 in game one and, you know, they can tell me to, you know, I mean, look at game one, but I don't know if they're going to be able to score a big number like that. Again, they've got to try and keep the lid on Stanford in my mind. And Maddie, you tweeted out something about Brock Jones and widely you alluded to it earlier that Brock Jones is probably the draft prospect uh, left in this field. But Maddie, you tweeted out Brock Jones had three home runs in game two, and that's back-to-back -back years. He had three home one home ones, home runs in what in a super regional. Um, so he is, let me see, where's he projected to go? I'm trying to look at the list. Oh, he's projected he's by 10. MLB oh, no. has he's him 31. Yeah. Um, but so that's definitely he's an outfielder, definitely a name to to the name to keep an eye on. Oh, look, Cooper Derpy is right below him. And then Peyton Graham's right below him. Those are three guys we just talked about. So any other thoughts on that on game three from Wiley or Maddie and, and Pete, of course, if you have an opinion on it. I have an opinion that is not valuable, so I'm going to go ahead and shut my mouth. I want to know who Wiley thinks is going to win the whole thing. I don't care about anything else. I want a bold prediction right now on Monday of who's going to win the College World Series. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Arkansas. Really? I feel like yeah, I'm going to go Arkansas, and the big the big question is going to be: well, they haven't hit 
you know, why haven't they hit as much? Well, they hit pretty well in the in, in the regional uh, in Stillwater. I think Carolina's got a pretty good pitching staff. And to me, I kind of feel like they're finally playing their best baseball of the season. I think Ole Miss could say this, a similar thing because I feel like they struggled throughout most of the year. Um, and, and most of these teams have seen some lulls. But I'm going to go with Arkansas. The amount of heartbreak that fan base has experienced, them and NC State, really. I mean, we all know what happened with NC State last year. And, and even before last year, they had some ex- absolutely excruciating uh, losses in regionals and super regionals. Yeah. So maybe it's just because I feel like Arkansas fans deserve it. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm taking Arkansas. I think this is the year between the, 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 the foul ball uh, that they were, weren't able to catch five years ago against Oregon State, would have won it. Uh, 2021, uh, obviously losing NC State in that super um, I'm going, I'm going with Arkansas because I think it's, I, I like this idea that it's, it's the year after you have that big season, everybody thinks you're going to win it. It's the year after where like, Oh my, that was actually the year. And, and maybe that should give Tennessee fans some solace that maybe next year, although they'll lose a lot off this year's team, maybe next year for Tennessee. We'll see. Well, we can find out right now if Arkansas is going to win the college world series. We can. <laughs> it is definitely so. Wow. Decidedly, decidedly, confirmed. not definitely. That is that is confirmed. So yep. there we are. There, there we are. We'll pick Suey. Oh, it's going away. It's going away. Oh, second thoughts. I don't know how to do magic eight balls. It's all just gravity based. So on its side, it's not going to have a lot of fun. Outlook, not so good. I don't know. Uh-oh. Okay, so we got your College World Series prediction. I I have kind of a dumb question, Maddie. You have, I guess those are just Group One, Group Two are the two are the two brackets that we're seeing. Yeah. So Group One is Notre Dame, Texas. Oh, please give me a Texas Texas and a matchup. Um, and Oklahoma Group Two has both of the Game Three: Stanford or UConn, Auburn or Oregon State, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Um, so hopefully you guys, what? I got, I got a quick one. Ooh. Just again, I'm not, I'm not from big 12 country. You would prefer Texas, Texas A&M against, as opposed to Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. But okay. I'm, but like, I, I'm from Texas, you know? So like that's okay. I see you're saying, okay. I mean, I know, I know Texas, Oklahoma is obviously a, a big rivalry too, but the Texan in me just wants to see Texas and Texas A&M fight it out. Well, I hope everybody feels a little bit more prepared for the College World Series. I know I do. That book that Peter is holding right now is Aussie Slang. And Wiley, it is now time for Aussie Lingo. And this is when Peter gives us a, I tell him when to stop. He thumbs through the book. He stops on a random word. And he tells us what the Aussie word is. And we have to guess what it means. Ready? Three, two, one. Stop. Oh, let's see where I'm going to go with this one. Polly. That's my grandma. P-O-L-L-I-E. Polly. A roly-poly. I'm going to go rubbish. (laughs) That's all I got. That's all I got. I'm going with the uh, name for your pocket, as in Polly Pocket. That's oh, so let obvious. me pull that out of my Polly. Nope. It's just sh- it's actually just short for politician. And it tells me that this is the worst description ever. It says, see the comments at Barbie. So in other words, shorten for barbecue. 
Uh, That's a terrible Aussie lingo, but we're going to have to stick with it. Politician. I like it. Polly. Where did barbecue come in, though? Because when we say shortened barbecue, Barbie, we also say Barbie instead of, so Polly would be politician, Barbie, barbecue. Okay. Uh, okay. We just the definition like of Polly was go look at the definition of Barbie. It just yes. doesn't make sense. Yeah. I know. It's bad, but... bad definition. So it's kind Polly. of like how people name how people named William will like go with Wiley. And it's like you shouldn't do that. No, that's yeah. right. We've established that very early on this podcast. Yeah. Yes. I honestly yeah. think that I would like politics better if we got a call on Polly's though. Yeah, exactly. hundred yeah. percent. Look that's at all these Polly's over there, hey? Yeah. Cause it's yeah. that it's the commercial season now. <sighs> Just the personal attacks. Yeah. <laughs> personal Person. attacks. Yeah. Okay. Well, y'all go ahead, follow Wiley on Twitter. He said it's Wiley underscore Ballard. Um, Working on Wiley, that. Seriously, you gave that. us an hour and 37 minutes of your time. We cannot, <laughs> we cannot thank you enough. Um, I feel a lot more informed about the College World Series. It's just so much to keep up with. We're trying to keep up with the majors. We're trying to keep up with the minors. Oh, my We're God. Keep up with college keeping up with Drew yeah. Jones. Um, so we just really appreciate your insight. I should say, Kelsey, Peter, I mean, I, I've obviously known you guys from working around the Braves for a, for a long, long time now. I uh, had a chance to you know, have a chance to get to know you guys both off the air. And so I'm excited to have a chance to finally do something uh, on the air with both of you. So I appreciate the invite and uh, I look forward to seeing you both soon. And, the and last Kelsey, time. Boy family. Uh, that sounds good to me. Congratulations on, on, on you and Casey, by the way. That's, that's, that's big time. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to be home. Get back on the road Thursday. Back to work with the Rocks. Pete, enjoy your off week. I will. Sleep? Nope. Hmm. Maddie? (laughs) Nope. You're crushing it. Thanks. Crushing it on the Twitter world. Thank you. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Farm on farm often we will see you next wednesday